Lord. You have searched me out and known me. You know my sitting down and my rising up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You trace my and my Indeed, there is not a word on my lips, but you, O Lord, know it all together. You press upon me Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is so high that I cannot attain to it. See verse 12. For you yourself created my hearts. I will thank you because I am marvelously made. Your works are wonderful, and I know it well. Your eyes beheld my limbs, yet unfinished in the womb. All of them were written in your book. They were fashioned day by day, when as yet there was none of them. How deep I find your loss, O God! How great is the sum of them! If I were to count them, they would be more in number than the sand. To count them all, my lifespan would need to be like you. A reading from the first letter of Paul to the Corinthians. All things are lawful for me, but not all things are beneficial. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be dominated by anything. Food is meant for the stomach and the stomach for food, and God will destroy both one and the other. The body is meant not for fornication, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. And God raised the Lord and will also raise us by his power. Do you not know that the, your bodies are members of Christ? Should I therefore take the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? Never. Do you not know that whoever is united to a prostitute becomes one body with her? For it is said, the two shall be one flesh. But anyone united to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. Shun fornication. Every sin that a person commits is outside the body, but the fornicator sins against the body itself. Or do, you not, or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, which you have from God, and that you are not your own? For you were bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The gospel is John chapter 1. Verses 43 through 51. Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we have found him whom Moses and the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus, son of Joseph from Nazareth. And Nathanael said to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, come and see. When Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him, he said of him, Here is truly an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael asked him, 
where did you get to know me? Jesus answered, I saw you under the fig tree before Philip called you. Nathanael replied, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus answered, do you believe because I told you I saw you under a fig tree? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, very truly, I tell you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. The Gospel of the Lord. The story I'm about to tell you is based on a combination of stories, but it is real enough to be true, and it can be hard hearing, tough hearing. So please do whatever you need to do to take care of yourself, and if you want to talk later or pray later, please see myself or another member of the clergy team afterwards. A young man's life went sideways. Hopes and plans fell through. His family was estranged from him and from one another. The cafe where he worked shuttered with no notice. The friends he was staying with needed their spare room back. His mental health wasn't great to start with, and self-medicating with drugs didn't help much. He barely had a roof over his head. He lost his ID along the way, his phone charger went missing, and he was running out of juice. A few friends tried to help, but they had their own issues, and he was hard to reach. Hungry, tired, cold, with low self-esteem and without stable shelter, he considered his options and made a bad decision. Prostitution. He'd been abused before. He knew how to numb himself, how to dumb himself to being given over to strangers, to the violence of someone else's desire. It was a few minutes, a few times, a few dollars in his pocket. It was no more than he was worth to them, to himself, to all of us who were busy with our lives and looking the other way. It didn't feel like a mercy he was arrested. It was humiliating and hurtful. He felt dirtier than ever, stupider than ever, another rung down on the ladder he thought was already rock bottom. The scraping of metal and the loud voices hurt his ears. He was allowed one call. He tried one friend, and that person came through, showed up the next day with bail money, a change of clothes, too big but clean, and a takeaway container with a burger and fries. He cried all the way to his friend's home, cried in the bath, cried as he curled up on the sofa, covered in a blanket, fell asleep, and dreamed of a different life. In his first epistle to the Corinthians, St. Paul aims to build up the members of the newly formed Christian community as the body of Christ, cultivating the mindset and practices which will cleave the church in Corinth more closely to our Savior. 
Paul's radical premise is that through the acknowledgement of Christ's gift of salvation, we are made living members of the body of Christ. The practices he encourages of baptism and the Eucharist express this. The spirit and the body are not two separate entities, but part of a whole, a whole saved person and a whole community of faith, all in Christ and Christ in us. Therefore, what we do with our bodies matters. To illustrate this, Paul writes, do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Should I therefore take the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? Never. Do you not know that whoever is united to a prostitute becomes one body with her? And I just want to add that previously in chapter 5, he does mention male prostitution. Paul is teaching that in any situation where any compulsion or inclination is allowed to have authority over a person, a person with choices, their life of faith is damaged spiritually and physically, individually and collectively. Physical action and spiritual help are combined. Consider the young man asleep on his friend's couch. We didn't pay him for sex. We didn't contaminate our bodies or minds in that way. But are we therefore spiritually pure and intact? Are we in any position to pass judgment? If we are members together of the body of Christ, then so is this young person beloved of Christ. Are we not part of the world in which his employment was so precarious he couldn't make a living through honest labor? Are we not part of a world where the right to a home is consistently denied to so many? Does everyone have access to health care where they can receive health, a treatment for their mental health problems? Are we not part of a faith in which many of its branches still punish and vilify people for their God-given sexuality and gender identity? In this season of Epiphany, we celebrate Christ's incarnation, acknowledging the very human experience of God with us. That young man is Christ in our midst. How will we welcome him? Will we join with the friend who came to him when he was in prison, cold, hungry, hurt, and lost? Will we love his body and soul in ways that lead to wholeness and flourishing and away from abuse and transaction? The young man is still asleep, and I do not wish to disturb him. His dreaming is deep. His eyelids flutter occasionally. I think God is whispering something to him, tending his heart, healing his body through rest and his spirit through reassurance. What would we hear if we could listen? Perhaps 
God is saying something like the words from Psalm 139. You are marvelously made. I have known you since before you were formed and loved you since the dawn of time. Your thoughts are precious and your life is cherished. There is new hope, new possibility being born every moment of every day. This is true. It is true for the vulnerable person with an uncertain future asleep on the sofa. It's true for you and for me. It's true for every living thing. St. Paul writes radical words of the greatest encouragement. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, which you have from God? And you are not your own, for you were bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body. And how do we glorify God? By cherishing our bodies and our souls, by adopting practices which acknowledge our holy interconnectedness, by meeting Christ in everyone we encounter, by exercising the freedom we have to love deeply and well, and to continue to allow ourselves to be surprised by love, to recognize that God's creative possibilities are more in number than the sand, so that we shall be continually astonished at the beauty and wonder of the ways in which human beings may be formed, to recognize that the beauty of each body is uniquely God-given, the flourishing of each identity is God-breathed and encouraged. We are made for light, to shine, to encourage, to tend, to share. When God calls us, we should not be too surprised to discover that we are already known. But answer with Samuel, here I am, and with Nathaniel, you are the Son of God. And then to follow with all our hearts and with all our souls and with all our bodies, embodying the good news as light to the world. Amen.